G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Rudyard Kipling, the English poet, once gave a public speech saying that there are many peculiarities in the English language. He illustrated his point by saying that there are two words in English which begin with the letters S-U, but are pronounced with S-H-U. A very well-to-do lady was present at his talk and later wrote to the poet, intending to correct him. In a letter she stated, you're wrong. There's only one word of that kind, sugar. Kipling wrote a brief reply which simply said, Dear Madam, are you quite sure? And he underlined the word, sure. There are some areas in life where we can afford to be mistaken. No one is right about everything. There is one issue, however, about which we must be absolutely certain. When it comes to where we stand before God and where we will spend eternity, we need to be on rock-solid ground. Are you sure you are at peace with God? When you die, do you know where you will be for eternity? Thankfully, God has not left us in the dark about this crucial matter. He has given us His Word, the Bible, to show us the way of salvation. Its central message is contained in the best-known and best-loved verse, John 3.16. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. This is Set Free with Ken Legg. Hi, thanks for joining us. Phil's my name and today author and pastor Ken Legg and I ask the question, are you sure? How can we be sure that we have peace with God? Now, Ken, uh, as you say, it's probably one of the most important questions you could ever ask. Are you sure that you have peace with God? Of course, some would dismiss the question altogether by saying they're atheists, therefore the whole idea of God isn't even an issue. What would you say to them? Well, let's look at what an atheist is. Uh, you know, supposedly an atheist is a person who doesn't believe in God, but actually the word atheist comes from the Greek language and it doesn't mean one who doesn't believe in God, but one who is without God. Mm-hmm. To be an atheist is to live a godless life or to live as if there was no God. So in that sense, there are many that are atheists. There are many that are without God. Mm-hmm. Now, let's look at what God says about an atheist. You know, he calls him a fool. He says, the fool has said in his heart, There is no God. Now, remember that God never makes charges lightly, neither does he call a person a fool without good reason. A fool is basically someone who speaks beyond their knowledge. So to say there is no God is a dogmatic assertion. How can anyone say there's no God for sure? I mean, has that person been to every place in the universe? And of course, not only that, Phil, I mean, the Bible says that God is spirit, so he's invisible. And the second thing, of course, Phil, that this verse informs us is that atheism is not primarily a condition of the mind, but of the heart. Uh, The fool has said in his heart there is no God. Atheism is really an attempt to escape from God. It's a deliberate blindness and suppression of man's most fundamental instinct, that is the knowledge of a creator. In his heart, man doesn't like the idea of a God to whom he must answer one day, so he looks to his mind or his intellect for support in his rejection of God. So, Phil, if someone says they're an atheist, they're making an absolute statement. They're making a dogmatic statement. There is no God. My question to them is, 
Are you sure? How can you be sure? Ken, I'm sure there's a lot of people who wouldn't say they were atheists, but in the same breath, they wouldn't say they were believers either. They want to sit in the middle on the fence, quite happy to do so, and are in that sort of agnostic territory, and they want to be uncommitted. Yeah, that's a good description. I think agnostics are just that. They're fence sitters. Uh, they claim neither to believe in God, but they don't say they disbelieve, uh, disbelieve in God either. They, they plead ignorance, if you like. In fact, it's interesting because in the Latin, the word that's used to translate agnostic is actually the word ignoramus, <laughs> uh, which, you know, from which is the word we, yeah. we, we get the word ignorance. Uh, so whilst the agnostic doesn't deny God's existence, he still lives without God. Uh, now, I believe personally, this is my belief, that there are two kinds of agnostics. There are what I would call an honest agnostic and mm-hmm. a dishonest agnostic. Now, a dishonest agnostic actually enjoys having doubts. They enjoy finding questions, curly questions to, to throw at you. That's why I don't believe because, you know, you can't tell me the answer to this and so on. Yeah. So their ignorance about God is what I would call a willed ignorance. They are willfully ignorant of God. It's a convenient ignorance, if you like. It's something to hide behind and to keep them from coming to God. A a dishonest agnostic is not really looking for answers, but excuses. For every answer you provide for a dishonest agnostic, he'll come up with another three questions. Have you met people like that? You know, you you say, what about this? So you, you answer the question, they've got three more lined up for you. They're not really looking for answers. They're looking for reasons not to believe. Um, but of course, an honest agnostic is, is different. He admits that he doesn't know whether there's a God or there, there isn't a God, but he wants to know. He wants to know the answer to these questions. He's, he's a seeker. Mm. And, you know, the Bible says if you seek, you will find. So my question then to anyone who says they're an, an agnostic is, well, are you an honest agnostic? Do you really want to know? Are you a seeker mm. uh, after the truth? Because mm. if you are a seeker after the truth, you will find the truth. And there may well be people wrestling with that right now as they hear this conversation. One thing I've found, though, Ken, is that when you're talking to someone who may be an atheist or an agnostic, is that often it becomes a thing in the mind. You know, the mind gets in the way of the whole conversation. But you said before that atheism, at least, is a, is a hard issue. People play mind games, though, sometimes, and it actually works against them. Yeah, I agree. You know, faith itself is not a product of reason, uh, but a revelation. You know, mm. God brings the revelation of the truth to us, and our heart responds to that with faith. Now, that doesn't mean to say that faith is a blind leap in the dark. It isn't, you know. Um, f- the faith stands up to reason. It stands up to investigation. Mm-hmm. There are answers, you know. Uh, in fact, God says somewhere in the Scriptures, I think it's in the book of Isaiah, he says, come, let us reason together. So God is a reasoning God. He's a God who uh, um, can stand up to scrutiny and investigation in that sense. But faith is um, basically a heart issue. Um, we need to keep that in mind. In fact, there's a beautiful illustration of that fill in the scriptures. You know, the greatest minds in philosophy anyway that this world has ever seen lived just before the time of Christ, just before the gospel came into the world. Mm-hmm. Men like Plato, Aristotle, Socrates, all the great philosophers, did they bring us any closer to God? You know, through all their reasoning and their philosophy, did they bring people closer to God? No, they didn't. In fact, Paul says this, referring to that age, he says, in the wisdom of God, man through wisdom did not know God. Um, through intellectualizing and through reasoning and so on, we're not brought closer to God. It comes by uh, listening to the revelation that God brings to us through the gospel and our heart's response to that by faith. And of so, course, sorry, I was going to say, when we do respond by, 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 um, by faith, then we get a lot of explanations about 
you know, the questions that we're asking about, that, those sort of answers come through. Mm. I was going to ask, if God is known through revelation, though, what is it that he's revealed? What would you say that is? Well, of course, the revelation that comes through the gospel, Paul says that in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. Now, that's the most important thing that we need to know. How can we be righteous before God? In fact, wasn't it Job that asked that question? How can a man be just before God? How can a man stand before God and be in the right with him? And that's what the gospel reveals, brings the good news that through Jesus Christ we can be in the right with God. Uh, Now, we wouldn't know that through a human reason. We would go to the law. That's why when Paul presents the gospel in Romans, for example, he spends about three chapters talking about the sin question. See, the, the, the word gospel is good news, but you can't appreciate the good news unless you know the bad news. Yeah. What's the bad news? Well, all yeah, of right. sin that comes short of the glory of God. What's sin? Well, it's to come short of God's standard in the law because that's a reflection of his nature, of his character. The law is a transcript of the nature of God. We've all sinned and come short of that. We're not like God. So we need a salvation. Now, uh, the Jews made the mistake of trying to find their righteousness in the law, and many people do today. They talk about their good deeds, their bad deeds, and so on, and they try to justify themselves. But God says, no, the law actually condemns you. That's what it was given for, to show you that you need a saviour. But in the gospel, God's righteousness is revealed because Jesus fulfilled the righteousness of God, and by believing in him, we can be forgiven all our sins and have righteousness imputed to us. And that's what's revealed in the gospel. And when we have that revelation, our response to that is, yes, I believe, Lord. I believe that Jesus is my righteousness and my saviour. How to be sure you have peace with God. That's the subject for this week on Set Free. And we'll have more for you tomorrow. In the meantime, remember, you don't have to carry that baggage. God wants you to be set free. For books, DVDs, small group studies and other resources from Ken Legg and details about Ken's ministry, visit the Vision Christian store at vision.org.au. That's vision.org.au.